Hey, Genesis 41. It's been a while since we've been in Genesis. Anyone with us way back in the day when we went through Genesis, I think we went through like 20-something chapters at Jacob. Uh, yeah. Remember that? Do what now? We were oozing. That's a good word, Mary. We oozed through Genesis and ended with the life of Abraham. Those, those were some great days, right? All right. Well, we'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Hey, let me ask you this question this morning. Who is that person in your lifetime that you have looked up to? Maybe those people that if you could, you would just start making a list and saying, hey, these are the people that, that I looked up to. Um, maybe some of them have passed on and are no longer here, but maybe some of them are still here. And, and maybe some of them are people that you still reach out to today. And, and when you have that, that tough decision to make, whether it's a, a big purchase you're about to make or whether it's just a decision in life and you don't know which way to go and there's that go-to person that, that you pick up the phone or you reach out to over some coffee or a meal and you seek wisdom from that. We all have those, those people in our life. I, I pray and hope that you do. People that we've looked up to, people that we admire, people that we seek out when needing some wisdom. The scripture shows us that there are men and women over times and over history that we can emulate, that we can look to, and we can take things from their example of life, the choices they made, and even the failures they made, and the afflictions they went through. We can learn things from them. And I think this morning we, we have one who is a, is a great picture of what we've been going through over the last seven weeks as we think about living free and, and putting some of these things into motion that, that we've been learning, um, we can look at a life in Scripture this morning and say, that's, that's a man that I want to emulate. That is one that I want to be like. Joseph is that man we're going to look at this morning, and he was a man of great integrity who after hardship after hardship, continued to trust God and continued to walk in righteousness, even though the road of his life was filled after bump after bump. Everywhere he turned, it seemed like trouble was there, but he continued to walk in righteousness. And as we're going to see this morning, he, as a result, reaped great rewards of that righteousness. And so today, I want us to learn some lessons. And so what we're going to do is get kind of a 30,000-foot level view of Joseph's life this morning and then dip down every now and then and look at some of the, the, the key verses um, that we're going to pull out this morning of his life. And then thirdly, what we're going to do is, is walk away with some, some takeaways where we can say, you know what, these are some things that we can practically emulate when it comes to living free. And so first, let's look at his afflictions this morning. Let's look at the troubles that Joseph went through because they, they truly made him, God used these afflictions as great graces from him. We've got to see him as that because they were. That they were graces from the hand of God, even though they were trouble, even though they were afflictions, they were great graces from God to help form and shape Joseph and make him the man that we can definitely emulate and learn from. 
And so was the first affliction that we see in Joseph's life. It was with his, his family. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 37, one of the things we learn about Joseph is it, he lived in a big household. He had 11 brothers. He had some sisters too. I don't think scripture really tells us how many sisters he had. If anyone can find that, let me know. But I haven't found it. But he, he had 11 brothers. And there was an issue in his home though. His dad, by the name of Jacob, was greatly fond of Joseph. So much to the point that he loved Joseph more than his brothers. And it was known. Um, one occasion, his dad gives him this very colored, this multicolored robe as an expression of his love. And all this did was enrage his brothers with great jealousy. To a point one day when his brothers were out shepherding the flocks and out in the fields, Joseph went out to be with his brothers. And as he was far off, they started plotting as they saw him. As he started to walk toward them, they started making this plan to kill Joseph. All 11 of them. And as he got close, we know what they did, right? Many of us know they took the robe, they, they ripped the robe that he had on, they took him and they threw him into a pit. And so his disasters, his tragedy, his troubles, his afflictions begin on this day. They didn't kill him, but what they did do is they eventually sold him to a group of Ishmaelites that came by. And so this group purchased Joseph as a slave. His brothers went back to Jacob, their father, and they told Jacob that he had been killed by a wild beast. And so Joseph faced family afflictions. He faced family hardships. Some of us in here today, maybe we've faced hardships in our own family. Afflictions in our own household. And Joseph finds himself now enslaved. He's in slavery. He gets purchased by this group, the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites then take him and they sell him to a man who's an Egyptian officer. And his name is Potiphar. And we learn about that in Genesis 39. And in spite of all that Joseph has faced, in Potiphar's house, we see that God's hand continues to be with Joseph. And so listen to this this morning, Genesis 39, verse 2 through 5, if you want to turn over a couple of pages, listen to what it says about Joseph. So he's in a really tough place. He goes from being in the comfort of his home with his dad who loved him, from being in a pit to now being enslaved. In an unfamiliar place, in an unfamiliar land, in an unfamiliar house, and now the word tells us the Lord was with Joseph even in that. So he became, Joseph did, a successful man even in Potiphar's house. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he owned he put in his charge. So God was with Joseph in the midst of great troubles. And Joseph trusted God even to the point that it was evident to his master. And then we find as Joseph has his great position. He is also noticed not only by Potiphar for his great trust in God. But he's also noticed by Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife tries to seduce 
Joseph. It tells us many days she tries to do this. But we learn about Joseph here is he's a man of great integrity. He's a man of high character, high moral character. And it tells us the reason he was is because he did not want to sin against God. He had a fear of God. And time after time, he would flee Potiphar's wife's passes. But one day, Potiphar's wife gets to a point where she didn't like being obviously turned down by Joseph. And eventually, she accuses Joseph of trying to seduce her. And so the tables turn there. And so what happens to Joseph is Potiphar's uh, wife goes to Potiphar, and Potiphar has Joseph put into prison. And so here we go from a pit to slavery, and now Joseph is in jail. But yet all the time, he continues to walk in righteousness, even though he's falsely accused. He continues to have high integrity, even though he now finds himself in prison. And while he's in prison, he also gets responsibility. He also gets leadership again because what is evident in his life. And as he's in prison, there are two that come to where he's at. They're thrown in prison by Pharaoh. Pharaoh was ruler, overseer of Egypt, and he threw his cupbearer and he threw his baker into prison. And here these two men find themselves in the presence of Joseph. And these two guys have had dreams and they call on Joseph to interpret these dreams. And as Joseph interprets the dreams for them, for one, it's a good dream. For another, it's not so much a good dream. It's going to end in the end of his life for the baker. But he tells the cupbearer this. He says, when you go back to Pharaoh and you share this dream with Pharaoh, and he puts you back into his service, he takes you out of prison and puts you back into his kingdom to work for him, tell him about me. Joseph tells the cupbearer that, tell him about me so that he'll take me out of prison and I could be released. And so the cupbearer goes back, the baker goes back, the cupbearer gets put back in Joseph's service, but the baker gets killed just as the dream had been interpreted, he would. But did the cupbearer remember Joseph and tell about Joseph to Pharaoh? He didn't. And scripture tells us that he failed to remember Joseph and forgot about him. And so here's Joseph, hardship after hardship. And even in this case where he thinks, oh, this is my chance. This, is, this guy is going to vouch for me. I've helped him out. And now he's going to go up the ladder and, and help me out. But instead, this guy forgets him. And maybe you've faced that in life. Maybe you thought, hey, in your line of work, you had this guy that was going to vouch for you and maybe help you out and help you get that promotion or help you get that job. And at the end of the day, forgot about you, didn't remember you. And see, that was the case with Joseph. But in the midst of all this, even being forgotten by this one, he was never forgotten by God. God was with him the whole way, every step of the way. And Joseph never forgot that. Can you imagine what he went through those long nights? We're not just talking about weeks and months here. We're talking about years. Here this guy is. He's in his 20s. He's a young guy. 
got all of life to live, and yet he finds himself in very hard places. But in the midst of this, Pharaoh of Egypt had a dream. He had a dream, and he started to turn to others, and nobody could interpret it. So he turned to his cupbearer, and his cupbearer said, you know what? There's a gentleman by the name of Joseph, and he can help you with your dream. So Pharaoh had Joseph come in. Joseph got all dressed up. He got all shaven. He came before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh shared the dream with Joseph. And listen to what Joseph said in Genesis 41, 16. He says, it is not in me God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph continues to show that his trust lies in God, in God who is the only one who can interpret dreams. They belong to him. And so as we step back and as we think about Joseph, because the tide is about to turn for him in this moment, but we've got to look what lies behind his life. It's hardships, it's afflictions. And Joseph, in the midst of it all, he trusted God. You see, lengthy afflictions did not discourage him. He did not let bad memories defeat him and break him completely down. You see, you and I, we we choose what holds us hostage. And Joseph didn't allow what he went through with his brothers. He didn't allow what he went through in Potiphar's house. He didn't allow that to keep him from trusting God. He didn't allow that to paralyze him in being faithful and living in responsibility and even in leadership in midst of the situations that God had put him in. He continued to trust in God. He did so without panic. I'm sure there was long nights. I'm sure there was tough nights. But it seems here he was steadfast and trusting in the Lord. And this period of affliction became a period of refining Joseph. And isn't that what God does with trials? Isn't that what he does with afflictions and hardships that we go through? That there's a greater purpose. And what is that? There's a few places we could turn to this morning. But I want us to look at this uh, passage on James chapter 1. We could go to Romans 5 as well. But I think James 1 is fitting. Listen to what James says about afflictions and trials up on the screen. He tells us this. Consider it all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, many different trials, just as Joseph encountered, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, God takes the afflictions and the trials of life. He takes us through those times. It's like a classroom. He's teaching us. He's teaching us. He's training us. He's developing in us endurance, perseverance. He's growing us in maturity. He's growing us in dependence on him to to trust him. Because if life was just easy, if it was like the cruise ship of life, we would just kick our feet up. When would we have to really have those hard times where we have to depend on God? You see, it's those times where God teaches us to trust to trust him, no matter how bad it gets. And it's during those times that Joseph matures. And it says here he, uh, that the purpose of trials is so that we would lack in nothing. If you go down to the next verse, we're not going to read it, but if you go down and follow James a little bit, what does he talk about? He talks about wisdom. 
I think one of the things that the Lord does in these hard times and these hard places is he grows us up in wisdom. He helps us see with his eyes. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from above. And as we're trusting God, we're trusting God for wisdom. How do we handle this situation? What do we do with this decision? What do we do when things are hard and trouble comes? What do we do? It's those times where we trust God and we look for his wisdom. And Joseph truly, when it came to wisdom, we're going to see in just a second, he didn't lack anything in that area. Even as a young 20-something, almost 30, he was a wise man, a wise man. It was because of the afflictions he went through, they were the classroom. He learned to trust God. And it made him a wise man of God. And so Joseph trusted the Lord. He endured. He grew up for a time of great influence. And that's what we find next. He had this great opportunity as we're going to see he lived righteously. And as a result, he reaped great rewards of that righteousness. And so it was that great opportunity. Well, it came with Pharaoh's dream. So Pharaoh shares this dream with him. And we pick it back up in Genesis chapter 41 and listen to what the interpretation of the dream is. It's important as we look at verse 29 through 32. It says, Behold, Joseph is telling Pharaoh this. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of all that subsequent famine. For it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. And so Joseph interprets the dream to Pharaoh. And he tells him there's going to be seven years of abundance that's going to come. And if you think about Egypt, Egypt is one of the, the, the richest areas of the world at this time. It's one of the fertile areas when it comes to land in all of the world. And yet, Pharaoh hears, yeah, there's going to be seven years of of abundance, but then there's going to be seven years of what? Great famine. Wow, that would land. You have all this abundance and then nothing. Joseph said, God has told me this is going to happen. That's why Pharaoh had the dream twice, because God is saying it will happen. And it will happen quickly. God will bring it about. And so Joseph shares this with him. But he just didn't share with Pharaoh the trouble. He just didn't share the problem. But Joseph, in all of his wisdom, takes the opportunity to give Pharaoh a plan. What great wisdom. He just doesn't pop in and pop out and say, hey, here's the trouble. But he gives him a plan. And look at verse 33. He says, Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. And so he told Pharaoh, you've got to get a leader, a discerning and wise leader. And not only that, you've got to put 20% of the produce of the land aside. If you've been going through Financial Peace University, what is he saying here? 20% in a what? What do we call it? An emergency fund, right? And that's what he's called Pharaoh to do. 
And then look at 35. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. And Pharaoh heard what Joseph said and he deemed that his proposal was good. And so did others. And so Joseph gives them a plan. And what happens next in verse 38 is Pharaoh chooses Joseph to be that man. He chooses Joseph to be that leader. What a turn of events we have here. Uh, Joseph goes from that pit that his brothers threw him in to the prison. And now he gets a promotion of great degree. Pharaoh puts him literally as ruler over Egypt. He becomes ruler over Egypt. He, he gets married as well. And so here we see the situation. And God doesn't always work the way we expect him to. Many of us in here, we get that. God doesn't always work the way we would like for him to. And he takes this most unimaginable, humble, unexpected messenger to be the one that would have great influence to impact Egypt and beyond. So Joseph reaps the rewards of great righteousness at the ripe old age of 30. And what happens next is he goes through Egypt and he puts the plan into action. So he just doesn't share the trouble. He just doesn't share a plan. But then he goes and he enacts the plan. He shares the wisdom and he wisely enacts the plan. He goes throughout the land as the seven year of abundance came out. They put the plan into action. And look, at, look at what verse 49 says. Mike read this for us. It says, Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it for it was beyond measure. There was so much grain during that time. They didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't even count it. But one thing we see with Joseph, yes, in affliction he trusted God, but even in this time of abundance, he's going to continue to trust God. Even in the good, He's going to trust God. Now look at verse 51 and 52. How do we see that? Well, we see that when he names his two sons. The first one he calls Manasseh. What does Manasseh mean? It means God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And then Ephraim. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so Joseph trusts God. Yes, in affliction, but also in Abundance. He continues to cling to him. And then what happens after the year of plenty, the famine comes. What Joseph said would happen, what God determined would come, it came. And look at verse 55 through 57 of Genesis 41. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh. They cried out for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. And when the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph and began the fam um, because the famine was severe in all the earth. What does Joseph show us here? I think some, a point this morning that 
is huge for us to walk away with is this, that Joseph shows us that decisions made in times of abundance will do what? They will feed us in times of scarcity. Decisions made in abundance will feed you in scarcity. The storehouses were used for an emergency. It wasn't touched until it was needed. And now that time is here. And so Egypt, as a result, they become a source of hope. They become a source of help for the hurting. And the nation only survived this catastrophic event. Why? Because of wise planning. Because of careful saving. By being faithful during the years of plenty, Joseph was able to bless the entire nation, literally keeping them alive during this time of famine. What wisdom. What wisdom. And so we hear about Joseph this morning, as we hear about his life, his, his trust in God. And there are some takeaways that I want us to see. Some practical things that, that we can take away and say, hey, what are some things? Yes, I, I want to trust God, but what are some things that I can literally put in place that are their actions of truly trusting God today that can impact my life and that I can live wisely like Joseph did? And here's three things I think we can take away. We, we see it in the text. And, and what are they? They're, they're things for me this morning, honestly, that, man, when I read this text uh, a few weeks ago and then this week just studying through it, I thought, you know what? I, I want to be like him because of these things. I, I want to aspire after these things. And here they are. The first one is this. We learn right here from Joseph that, that saving when we look at our finances and money, because they're dis, dis, discipline issues, they're discipleship issues, but we learn here from Joseph that saving money is what? It's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. And I don't think there's a, another part in Scripture where, where that just doesn't land like it does here. It does. It does. If Joseph and Egypt, if, if they don't save, what happens? They don't, they don't eat. They die. They die. And that hit me this week. I thought, you know what? If we don't save, what if, what if that was the result? You die. And I started thinking about stories I heard. I started thinking about stories from my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And they were kind of... Uh, bore some of the fruit of the, the Great Depression period. And I heard some of the stories from them. I thought, man, good night. You know, what if... Things like that in our nation. And we live in a very plentiful land, a very land of abundance. But what if the tide turned? What if it turned? And what if famine came? What if a time like that came? Would we be ready? Would we be ready? Proverbs 21 20 tells us that the wise people save. I started looking at that. I thought, man, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be. I don't want to be stupid. I mean, but we do stupid things, right? And if we're all honest in here this morning, we've done stupid. Maybe we're doing stupid right now. We do it. We do it. I mean, let's just be honest. Proverbs 21 tells us this. Verse 20, it says, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man, he will swallow it up. Literally, he will devour it all. You ever been in that time of your life where... You wish 
gosh, I wish I would have read this <laughs> 10 years ago. We should have read it 20 years ago, right? We should have read it last week. I mean, there, there are things where you're like, gosh, you know? And I think what the Lord wants to do is say, okay, here's, here's a guy who made wise choices. And so let's, let's stop whatever stupid choices we're making and let's start making wise choices. It's, it's not to say, okay, let's get beaten over the head because we see this great, huge example of faith. And instead we look at that and we think, well, that's impossible for me right now. Think of all the impossible situations that Joseph went through. Think about that. He continued to trust God. But he viewed in this situation that, hey, listen, it was necessary to put a money aside. And so will we be ready? I, th- I think it's necessary. I think we learned that. I think it's wise. It's being a good steward. So absolutely necessary. Uh, second thing is we learned that saving money, it's a decision, right? Now, now, now why just flat out say that? Because we were like, oh, well, duh, that is a decision. I've, I've got that. That's, that's easy. But if you look at Joseph, he didn't just tell Pharaoh, hey, we've got trouble looming. It's coming. But no, he, he acted. He acted. I'll be honest with you, that's one of the things that I struggle with is, is I, I know that there's like two choices or maybe three choices to decide on. And, and I'm one of those guys, man, I, I, can, I can struggle with just deciding. Just deciding when a decision has to be made. But we've got to decide. We've got to decide. And that's what Joseph did. And what did he decide? He decided this. We've got to put a number on it. And he said to Pharaoh, 20%. Now that's deciding. Can't touch it. It's got to be there because when the famine comes, we're going to need it to supplement what our family here in Egypt needs. Not only that, he said, hey, someone's got to be put in charge. Someone's got to be accountable to this and oversee this. And they were intentional and it was well planned. So what do we learn with that? It's a decision. And so what that means, it, it just doesn't happen by accident, right? You and I have to decide. What are we going to do? Where's our money going to go? And so it's got to be a priority. He teaches us that. And when? When do we have to decide? According to what Joseph does right here, I think it's now. It's now. He doesn't linger over it. But he makes the decision, and his decision in abundance feeds the nation in a time of scarcity. Huge. Third and last thing this morning that we can take away and say, okay, how can I trust God practically with what I hear this morning? There's a lot of things that we could put into place here, but what are some things I could practically go and do and be wise like Joseph was? I think the third thing is we see here that that saving money does something. It, It protects our family, right? protects our families, and then it allows us to be able to help those around us. I mean, think about that this morning. What if you were so set up <laughs> like Joseph was after seven years of abundance, and here you are, and you got people coming and knocking at your door and saying, we need food. And what if you just had that great relief and say, hey, listen, We can help you. We can help you. But what if it was on the other side and you had all these things looming over you, things to pay, things, and you couldn't. You couldn't. And if we're all honest this morning, 
many of us are probably there. We wish we could. We would want to. We'd love that. But we're not there. We're not there. You see, Joseph calling the nation to save, to put these things to the side, it covered 100% of the need over those seven years. And this was possible. We can't miss this because God was involved. God was involved. And he, he, he directed Joseph to take wise steps, and Joseph did. Someone might hear this this morning and say, well, listen, well, what about hoarding? <laughs> what about saving and hoarding? What's, what's the difference? Because this isn't a call to, to hoard, right? And so the difference is attitude. Why do we save? Well, we save because we want to protect our family. We save because we, we want to be ready to, to maybe send our kids to college. We, we, we save because we want to be able to help others. That's saving. But hoarding is when we start gathering all this and we want to have more than our neighbors. And we just want to have stuff. And the whole difference of that is attitude. Is attitude. And so what do we learn? Saving is this. It's, it's responsible. We learn this from Joseph. What a great, great lesson. Saving is responsible. It helps us take care of needs that may come disasters and troubles because troubles will come. If we're not in them now, you've heard it before, one's right around the corner. And what I've learned is they cost. They cost. And so it helps us be responsible and then it eventually empowers us to give. And that's what we learn by Joseph's example. A lot of takeaways this morning. Here's a man went through many troubles. Many things that would cause some people just to tap out and no longer trust God. Throw in the towel. But here was a man through it all. He trusted God. God taught him endurance. God taught him how to stick it out. Not by more willpower, but by faith. To trust God every step of the way. And God grew him up into maturity. And as a young man, he made wise decisions that would impact a nation, that would impact the world. Because he trusted God. He kept his eyes fixed on the Lord. Not his circumstances, his problems. But he kept his eyes on God. He's a man we can learn from. And we can learn about his great faith. And that's what God has called us all to. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 about the men and women of old. How did they gain approval with God? It was by faith alone. And that's what pleases God, faith. This morning as we look at this great life, a life well lived, not perfect, but a life trusting in God. One thing I want us to take away above all is he had faith in God. Where's your faith this morning? One thing the Bible tells us is that Jesus came and he died for us. We sung about it this morning. And he went to the cross and he shed his own blood so that we could have life, life eternal. That the power of death and sin would have no grip on us anymore. That we could be set free. 
Bible says we must believe in Christ and his work for us on the cross and his resurrection. And if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is our Lord, the Bible says you will be saved and you will be a child of God. And I tell you this morning, as I think about all the hardships that Joseph went through, all the problems he went through, what great, what great assurance, what great resting hope we have with Jesus as the anchor to our soul. That no matter what comes, we have a Savior who has purchased for us life, has purchased for us a place with him forever. And to know that when we go through the troubles of life, that he, he has us in his hands and no one can snatch us out. That's the kind of faith that God gives to us graciously. So this morning, I invite you, I invite you to believe in Christ and to know him and to seek to be like him. If you don't know Christ today, trust in him. Let's pray.